Welcome to The Human Beat. I'm Roger Rocca. Ed Johnson of Brownsmead was elected to the Clatsop Community College Board of Education last May. Then, last month, this newest member of the board was elected chair when the previous chairperson and the interim college president suddenly resigned. While he is new to the college, Ed is not without experience. I met up with him while he was having his car serviced and asked him about his background as we sat in my car. Well, I call myself a farmer, but I actually made my living uh, operating the, I was the operations manager for the Napa Water Association. And the title was just so that when I was dealing with legislators, somebody, he had a title, but really I'm the guy out, you know, repairing leaks, reading water meters, uh, dealing with engineers, dealing with government agencies, and jack of all trades kind of thing. So I did that and I farmed on the side. Mm-hmm. And back in the 80s, uh, I ran for the, at that time, Napa and Klask and I were combined mm-hmm. on a K-12 district. It was Columbia School District 5J. So I ran for that board and got elected there. And I think I was on that board for eight years, I believe. And then I spent 20 years on the, once Napa separated from Klask and I. Uh, I wasn't on the original board, but then I ran again and got elected there. So I spent 28 years on a K-12 board. And then I just kind of got to thinking, I'd, I'd actually filed for the K-12 board again, mm-hmm. but I got to thinking that, you know, Karen Burke resigned, so there was an open position that represented Napa. I thought, you know, there'd be an opportunity just to see what goes on in higher education and look at education from a different level. So. I ran for the Columbia or Clatsop Community College Board. But during all that time, you also got, uh, you know, a good and long education in how effective boards work. And, oh, definitely. And how, how a board is different from an administrator and so on. Definitely, yeah. And I did notice that, you know, one of the one of the things you, you did at really the first meeting that you chaired all the way, you know, you got, you got appointed in the midst of one meeting and then... But uh, the second meeting in January, you you did uh, make a request to the other board members that they that they not meet individually with staff members. Correct, because really, uh, you know, the board is not running the day to day operations of the college. <coughs> the board is uh, deals really with one person, and you hire and fire or deal with uh, the president of the college. So any interaction from board members should be through the president and not uh, going out to individuals. Uh, yeah, mucking around where you don't belong. Well, have you been there long enough to develop an opinion about fundamentally what needs to change at the college to improve its financial position? Any thoughts about that? Well, that's a tough one. Uh, we have <coughs> Bill Mack is doing our financial things right now. And, uh, you know, he's spending a lot of time just analyzing and trying to figure out, you know, sort out what's what's the issues. I'm <clears throat> for the past maybe three years or so at least, we've spent more than we have coming in. And that worked okay for a while when you had, uh, you know, a big carryover from the year before. But that's been used up. And so... 
now you got to struggle with how, how do you get that to happen and it's not easy you know at some point it's going to involve people's jobs uh, possibly programs and it's it's not pretty and back in the 80s when the property tax limitation passed here in Oregon I was on this 5J board at that time and we went from being one of the richest districts in the state to uh, we laid off 23% of our employees in one whack mm. in order to get things in operation and before that we were doing fine at one point we had a we were thinking of setting aside a million dollars out of our budget for scholarships mm. you know guarantee any graduate that wanted to go to uh, secondary education that we fund part of it well, I know a while back the Secretary of State's office was saying that the state really needed to do more for its community colleges. Are, are you seeing any movement on that <laughs> in that area? No, <laughs> no. And the same in K-12. And uh, when that property tax limitation passed, we were assured that the state would backfill us to 100%. Mm -hmm. Well, here we are 40-some-odd years later, and they have never... Uh, backfilled <laughs> K-12 education to where they were before. So, yeah, it seems to be that uh, four-year universities uh, get special treatment, and much more so than community colleges. Well, you mentioned, you know, hard choices that have to be made to bring the budget into balance, and some staff at the college seem to be pretty nervous about, you know, whether their jobs will continue or not. Yeah. Um, what, what about that? Well, you know, back in when we did our board retreat, I believe it was, maybe in June, uh, they came up with some goals for the year, and one of them was an assurance there would be no layoffs. Mm -hmm. Well, looking back, that was not a bright move <laughs> to say there was going to be no layoffs because... You know, the the only sources of income are what we get from the state and fees and tuition. And there's no, you know, other than upping tuition or upping fees and stuff, we don't control much of that. The amount that comes from the state is controlled by the state. So to get things back in balance, that was not a good idea to say that we weren't going to have any layoffs. And, Granted, it's 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 a tough climate because you know everybody's sitting there worrying about is my job at stake, and you can't say that everything's perfect. But you know they do some real careful analysis. Uh, Tina, the interim president, and Bill Mack are looking you know very carefully, trying to figure out programs that uh, either there are not many students in the programmed versus what it costs to support it. Or, you know, some things uh, maybe you don't need anymore. Yeah. You know, trying to analyze and come up with that is hard, and, and it's not comfortable for employees when you're sitting there wondering whether you're going to get the axe or not. Yeah, and it's a fine line, it's a fine line to walk as, as a board because um, you know, jobs sometimes are connected with programs. Yep. And and 
and the college as a as an attractive institution for students needs to have the programs in place that will enable them to get a good education. You so got it, yeah. That's a heck of a balance to try to strike. Boy, you got it. You know, I would, it would be a much more fun job for employees, for board members, staff, everybody, if we had sufficient funds to, when we come up with a great idea of a new program that would draw students, that we could jump in and do it. But you know, there's money involved. So one thing we need to do is, is seek grants and you know, see what we can come up with with money besides what we get from the state and from tuition and fees. Well, to put this into context, too, this is not specifically a Clatsop Community College problem. All colleges Correct. really were battered by the pandemic. Yeah. When, you know, <coughs> the student, the enrollment dropped and, and all of them and so on. How, how important is the level of enrollment in terms of the funding that the college gets? Very important, because the funding we get from the state is based on, based on FTE, full-time equivalent students. So obviously the more students you have, the more funds you get. So we really need to do a, you know, get out there and, and tell our messages to the high schools around the county and over in Pacific County because we have students that come from there and sell them the values of community college education. You know, it's uh, a, <coughs> you know, at the price of housing, it's probably not a great uh, economic advantage to come from somewhere else right here because then you have to be renting a place. But if you live here, you know, I'll give you an example. One of our daughters, uh, she started out at Oregon State and you know did well had a great time and but she decided on her sophomore year to come back to Clatsop because she could live at home you know drive dad to pick up the <laughs> school and, right. uh, and it worked out great for her she graduated with no debt now, nowadays that's pretty rare well that's kind of the flip side you know, students wouldn't be coming here necessarily from elsewhere but students who are here can save a lot of money during the first couple of years of college yep yep so, Tina Toyas, the person who's serving as interim president, mm -hmm. just in terms of, of staff consolidation and so on, she's, all, she's also, what, the financial CEO. <laughs> she is, the what, the dean of transfer students, yeah. the vice president of academic studies. Yeah. That, that kind of shows what kind of consolidation there is, there's been, and that's a lot. So how is the search for a, a new permanent president going in this climate? Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I uh, gave a report there at the meeting last night that uh, we have contacted three search firms that have done searches in Oregon uh, for community colleges and for four-year universities. Uh, they've all responded that they're interested in going to give us a proposal. So as soon as we get those proposals, we have a committee, a presidential search committee, and we'll uh, meet, take a look at the proposals, uh, invite them in for interviews so we can, you know, talk to them and size up what they're going to propose and then uh, sign a contract and get going. So I'm, I'm confident that that we should have somebody on board by June, 
and ready to step in, say, the 1st of July. And, you know, I've had people say, well, why the heck would they want to come here to Classic Community College when things have been in upheaval here for a while? And my answer to that is that if I was looking for a job, you know, I spent some time in active duty in the reserve in the Army. If you follow a guy that walks on water, then you got to figure out, how, how can I walk on water better than that guy does? And it's tough, you know, and you get these evaluations. So you got to come up with some way to stand out and look great. And if you came to Clatsop where there's been, you know, some changes over and turmoil and stuff, that's the kind of job I'd be seeking. Mm. So I'm confident that we'll get some highly qualified candidates and that we'll get somebody that can get us turned around and going in the right direction and then Tina can go back to doing what she was doing and not be trying to wear five hats at the same time. Now is she leading the recruitment uh, drive at this point or, or who's in charge of recruitment actually? Well from the standpoint of you know, getting the solicitations out and stuff that's a staff function but once uh, the, the board committee will lead the Okay. The charge in this. And there will be a, yeah, we have a board policy, but the policy is the same as I did in, when I was on the K-12. I went through, I think, five superintendent searches. And so essentially you hire a firm who, uh, first first thing they typically do is they come to the area. They inter call meetings with the staff, the faculty, the local citizens, uh, K-12 schools, anybody that's involved in the community college and come up with their ideas of what you what you want in a present. And obviously the board will have input on that too. Then they come up with the job description and whatever and they send out, you know, through uh, statewide channels in education uh, seeking applicants. Then once you, you get the applicants, uh, committee that will have citizen involvement uh, so we could have you on that committee and you know people that want to volunteer to do that they would screen applications and make a recommendation to the board and there would be board members on this thing too faculty staff whatever and they'd make a recommendation to the board committee who to interview and typically you'd pick maybe four to six outstanding candidates you want to interview and you go through an interview process uh, whittle it down to two and then invite those two to come to the college uh, do a second interview meet the public staff faculty and whatever and then everybody who meets them can come up and talk to board members and say man I want this guy or woman and mm -hmm. here's why and whatever so there'd be many opportunities for everyone to be involved, not just the board. And it sounds like you're starting from scratch. The, the board did interview some people earlier for the interim job, but this is like a whole new process. Correct. Yes. Yes. Uh, also, there's a vacancy on the board for Zone 2, which Correct. is the city of Astoria and, uh, well, quite a large area. Yeah, it's only Lewis and Clark, John Day. So uh, what is happening in that regard in terms of filling that vacancy? That'll be an appointed, that'll be someone appointed at yes. this point, right? Yes. So <coughs> we uh, 
put out a solicitation for applicants. We received six applications, and on the 2nd of February, the board interviewed each of these applicants. And they were quality people, all of them. Any of them could have been great on the board. But you got to have the consensus of the board right. of who you want. And we couldn't get to that. We have a second set of questions that are sent to those candidates. And on the 20th, I believe it is, of February, we'll meet again and go through a second interview with them. And because that was a couple of weeks off, we decided we'd just open it up again to see if anybody else wanted to uh, come and interview. Well, speaking of the board, there there are some people who think the board is partly responsible, at least for you know for the chaos and yeah. stuff at the yeah. college, and yeah. and now you're in charge of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's new, no doubt. New guy in the block. <laughs> yeah, and the board is not. Uh, held in high esteem, you know. There's, it's, it's a trust issue, and they've, you know, some people were upset about uh, partying with uh, Chris Breitmeyer, the uh, former president, and you know that was kind of an upheaval. Uh, three people from the board resigned over that, and so there's not a lot of, of trust with the board uh, and these difficult decisions about uh, how to end up uh, getting the, the budget in balance. So we're just trying to be absolutely open. Uh, Tina sends out a weekly uh, report every week of uh, what's, what's going on and just trying to be upfront. You know, I, I, want, I told her that report needs to have good and bad. You know, you know mm-hmm. not only pump all the stuff that's going great, but if there's issues that we need to address, that everything's out there in front of everybody. So it's totally transparent, and hopefully, if we can stick to that, uh, we can gain the confidence of the community and faculty and staff. You think all the experience you've had um, ser- serving on school boards over decades? now can help you in kind of leading that board to a place where where they regain trust and so on. I know the, th- the thing we mentioned, we started when we mentioned the idea of, of telling board members not to talk individually mm-hmm. with staff members, you know, yeah. to, to remember that their role isn't administration, it's policy. Is yeah. that part of it? Yeah, that and part of it too is, uh, you know, back before I got on the board, apparently there were at some board meetings, uh, there were things that weren't appropriate, and they they apparently talked about staff at an open public meeting, and you can't do that unless you've advised the staff people ahead of time, and uh, they can be represented if if they want. It can they can ask for it to be an executive session. They they weren't following stuff that's state policy, right? You know, for public meeting laws, so you right. got to follow those public meeting laws for start. And that's a good place to get going. So. Well, you're going to need the support of the board in order to accomplish the things you want to accomplish. Yeah. So, again, there's a fine line to walk between criticizing the board yeah. <laughs> for its previous actions yeah. and getting them to follow you to improvement. Yeah. So, yeah. you're walking a lot of tightropes here, Ed. 
<laughs> well, I you know I think every single one of those board members, they're not there to you know uh, work on their resume or whatever. I, th I think every one of them is sincerely uh, believes in the importance of Clapton Community College, but they just have different outlooks on how you get there. So it's it's we got to get everybody. You know, if we're in the the seven man boat. We got to get everybody on an oar and pulling together. You know, we were talking a little bit ago about um, about student enrollments and so on, and, mm -hmm. and how that affects funding. And, and I neglected to ask you, one of the roles of the college over the years has been community education. Correct. So people who just live in the community can take a course in mm -hmm. something that interests them. Is that? Is that a disadvantage for the college in some way? Is that still something the college can afford to do? Or, or how are you going to... Well, if you need full-time students, can you still serve the community? Good question. And that's one that, that uh, yeah, the administration has carefully looked at because apparently, uh, yeah, you get paid from the state on these full-time equivalents. And you can... Uh, if you got half a dozen people taking some community ed class that counts for a tenth or something of a of an FTE, then you can add them together. And, but yeah, it's obvious to the advantage from the money standpoint. The more full time equivalents you have, that gets your money. So yeah, that that is a concern. That, and I think they've cut some things already. Uh, uh, I know a friend of mine is really interested in uh, art department right. and is, would like to uh, push a, uh, an A degree, and I forget what it was, but it's something that we don't offer right now to do with art. But there's only you know, some half-time faculty, and uh, so to do those classes are really vital because that's how you get buy-in from mm -hmm. folks like you're in my age that mm -hmm. want to be lifelong learners but they don't earn the money so somehow or other we've got to come up with a, a way to figure that kind of stuff out and some of that may be grant funding like you know four-year universities you get a a chair you know the so-and-so is a uh, funded out of grants and they hold a chair position and say art so you know if we could reach out and get some funds to do something like that which is would be kind of unique in the community college system I assume yeah, well I guess my personal thought too is I I, I wish the state placed a little higher value on the community education yeah. because it's, it's it's really such a, an important thing and a value yeah, um, yeah absolutely I think they're absolutely important because uh, you know, you do have these community education things. You have folks that are wanting to go on for a four-year uh, degree. You have these certificate programs like welding and maritime science, yeah. and nursing. And so it, you fill a niche that is just absolutely vitally important. And here you are in this, you know, a county with, I don't know, 35, 40,000 people, whatever you have, small. And Astoria is maybe 10,000 some odd. And you have this college there, and it's absolutely, absolutely. Yes, you talk about a gift from heaven. I, you know, yeah. so we need to figure out a, a way to keep this thing 
Yeah, they've been around 65 years, and we need to make sure that they're around there forever. Do those things like the welding programs and so on, do they carry some weight in terms of funding for the state, or are those seen as... No. <laughs> and that's a, that's a terrible shame, because we we need those trades so badly, yeah. particularly in this area. Yeah, and, the, and they're... You know, two of my sons are pipe fitters. And one of them, he was the salutatorian of his class here in Napa, and so he could have gone on to any university. And, you know, being a dad, I wanted him to do that, whether he used that or not. That, that was immaterial. I just thought it was really important to you know, have that in your quiver. And uh, he wasn't interested. In so first he took the marine programs there at Classic, and he ended up on a yacht and uh, started off in Florida, and it was owned by a fellow up in New Jersey. So they sailed up the East Coast, and then every weekend this guy would call and say, okay, meet me at such and such, and they'd move the yacht around and stuff. But he wasn't real happy with that because the guys in, in the crew were into drinking and drugs and whatever, so he, he did that one season. So then he had to figure out what to do next. I said, well, what about welding? Ah, okay, so he went out there and took welding classes. Well, now he's, uh, uh, you know, in the uh, trade union there, and he makes, I don't know, upwards of $100,000 a year uh, welding. That's, yeah, that's that's really a great story, and and, uh, the opportunity is there. Yeah. It's too bad that it's not valued in terms of the college. Uh, well, so, it's valued in yeah, in terms of the community college, but at the state level, yeah. I guess yeah, the main thing is that we get things going smoothly so that the faculty, the staff, the community, the students all feel that they're getting the best bang for the bucket at Clatsop Community College, that they value the not only the education, but just value the college itself so that those in life, you know, just wanting to take community education classes or whatever, that it remains a vital resource for everybody of all ages. Well, one last question. Is there something the community can do to help with this effort? Well, good question. You know, one thing that that we need, <clears throat> the, the state there was some kind of funding back before I got on the board, and you could apply for money to do uh, capital projects and stuff. And so they, the board at that time had a dream to build a building out at Mertz and expand the programs and stuff. And it ended up that that was going to be a, you know, a Cadillac facility that could have been ratcheted down some still use you know, be useful and serve the purpose. But at any rate, that didn't pan out. And the state had allocated $8 million towards that. But you had to come up with matching funds. So the $8 million is still available that we can use out there at Merch to, because we have issues with the building where the marine science stuff is doing. It's, it's in bad shape. So we need to do some fundraising and stuff. So there's folks out there that have ideas and uh, know how to get money, that would be a valuable contribution to the college. Well, thank you, Ed, and I'm, I'm glad you're on the board. I'm glad you're the chair, and I sure wish you 
luck and any way any of us can help. Um, we need the colleges, as you said, it's it's like a gift. To yeah, the it is. And we need to keep it healthy. You know, I live in Brownsville, and I think Brownsville is the next uh, closest to heaven as you can get. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel about the same with that college. It's a real value to the community, so we all need to jump in there, grab an oar, and get stroking on those oars and pull this thing over. That's Ed Johnson, the new chair of the Board of Education at Clatsop Community College. You've been listening to The Human Beat. I'm Roger Rocca.